Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, hello, wherever and whenever you are, and welcome to stories of your and yours, soon to be known as Ink and Ash. My name is Sean Ennis, and today I've got a Christmas-themed episode for you, and I want to give you an update before we get started on the rebrand of stories of your and yours. Now, I've been saying for a while now in the intro and the outro of the show that we are soon to be known as Ink and Ash, and that's still true. I think, though, that the rebrand won't be complete until after the third season wraps. You see, to give you a bit of a peek behind the curtain here, I wanted to get the website done and have the rebrand all ready to go by the time I rebrand the show here on the feed, and I'm finding out that designing the website is going to take a little longer than I had anticipated. So, I'm going to give it some time, and at some point before the next season, I'll run a bonus episode with the new name, and that'll sort of be the transition, if you will, between the two titles. There's just lots of administrative stuff to do behind the scenes with rebranding older episodes and getting the YouTube going and all that kind of thing. I won't bore you with the details, but the organizational part of my brain would not allow me to start calling the show by its new name until everything looks the way it's supposed to. And of course, every time I start working on one thing, I remember three or four other things that I also need to do. And so instead of getting things done, the next thing you know, I'm just taking a break and having some ice cream. Anyway, on to the next item of business. A new patron. Join me in welcoming Jody to the elite patrons of Stories of Your and Yours. Jody has joined at the storyteller level. Thank you so much, Jody, for your support. And thank you, of course, to all of my patrons who help make this show possible. As I've mentioned before, my two favorite ways to open the show are with a new patron and a new Apple Podcast review. And today, I've got both. Let's give a listen to the latest review over at Apple Podcasts. A Great Podcast for All Reading Types by Ditch351 I discovered this cast by chance about a year ago, and it has become my all-time favorite story-based podcast. Not only does Ennis cover a wide array of genre and author, but he did what I did not think possible. He read several short stories that were buried in the deepest recesses of my memory from high school. That sounds like a joke, but it is very true. And he brought them to life just as I remembered. Cannot more recommend such a quality show than this soon-to-be rebranded Labor of Love. Thank you very much to Ditch351 and to everyone who's reviewed the show over on Apple Podcasts, and I would love to see more reviews from outside the U.S. as well. I love hearing from my listeners all over the world, and so far I've got three reviews from Canada, one from Great Britain, and one from New Zealand, so thus far Canada is the leader in the clubhouse for international reviews. Let's see if anyone can unseat them. For the record, I'm not sure how to tell how many ratings I have in Apple Podcasts outside the U.S., so if you've rated the show, I certainly appreciate that as well. It's the holiday season, as you well know, and whatever holiday you celebrate, surely there is a food that goes along with that holiday. And when we're talking about food, you know we're going to check in with the Searchlight recipe book. Let's see what Searchlight has in store for us today. And now, a moment with the Searchlight recipe book. Today's recipe, Christmas Sandwiches. Instructions. Spread thin, round slices of rye bread with cream cheese, which has been moistened with cream. Decorate with poinsettias made from strips of pimentos, with the stems and leaves made from strips of green cucumber pickles. Recipe submitted by Mrs. H.E. Chrisman, Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. Mmm. 
Christmas sandwiches. Now, before we get into this week's stories, I want to tell you about a couple of guest appearances I've got coming up. I just recorded a retrospective on the show Parks and Recreation with the Rabbit Ears podcast. And as Ashley over at Rabbit Ears will tell you, her podcast does have the explicit rating, so please be advised of that before you tune in. I was thrilled to be able to talk to Ashley and Nick from Nikolai's Kitchen about one of my favorite shows. I've also been a frequent guest voice on the current season of The Explorers, where Kate Armstrong gives us history lessons from a woman-centric point of view. Most recently, I've been the voice of Tacitus. And one other thing, if you're a member over at Patreon, that's patreon.com slash syypodcast, you heard The Kit Bag by Algernon Blackwood last week, and soon you'll be hearing a new winter-themed episode of Spot the Lie. Nick from Nikolai's Kitchen and Drew from the Real Feels podcast are back with Moxie and me to parse out who's telling the truth and who is not giving the straight story. That will be posting any day now. Well, that was a lot of introduction before we get to the stories, so let's do that right now. Now, as you loyal listeners will know, I usually do an introduction to this week's authors and stories on this part of the show. I'm not going to do that this week, at least not completely, and admittedly, the reason is a bit of a cop-out. You see, this week's stories are, shall we say, Christmas-adjacent fairy tales by the Brothers Grimm and Hans Christian Andersen. But I have plans next season to do a fairy tale episode, and I want to get those background pieces on the Brothers Grimm and Hans Christian Andersen together on that fairy tale episode. So, the background is coming, but it's coming next season. Now, again, I will concede that that is a cop-out, but that's the benefit of being the host, right? Every now and then, I can indulge in a cop-out. But we can still talk about this week's stories. The first is called The Fir Tree, and that is by Hans Christian Andersen. The Fir Tree was first published in 1844 in Copenhagen, Denmark, in the collection entitled New Fairy Tales, First Volume, Second Collection. Quite a novel title. The second story is called The Elves and the Shoemaker, and it comes to us courtesy of the Brothers Grimm. It was first published in 1812 in the first collection of fairy tales from the Brothers Grimm, known as Grimm's Fairy Tales in English-speaking circles, and Kinder und Hausmärchen in German. The tale itself is known as Die Wichtelmänner in German, and now you may be wondering, did I find the Danish title of the fir tree? Well, yes I did. But I know how to pronounce German words. Danish words, not so much. But, if you must know, the nearest approximation I can come up with for the fir tree is... Grand Triette. That's all I got for you. I do have another note on the Elves and the Shoemaker. It was originally published as a three-story set, but one of the other stories was pretty weird and not especially Christmassy, and the third story, while also not Christmassy, bore a striking resemblance to a story called The Brewery of Eggshells, which I did on a bonus episode a couple of years ago. I'll link to that Irish folklore episode in the show notes. Now, obviously, there is a rich history of fairy tales from both of these authors, and we will get into those on a future episode, as I said before. But for now, you've had enough of the preliminaries at this point, so let's dig right into today's feature presentation. The Fir Tree by Hans Christian Andersen Out in the woods stood a nice little fir tree. The place he had was a very good one. The sun shone on him, as to fresh air there was enough of that, and round him grew many large-sized comrades, pines as well as firs. But the little fir wanted so very much to be a grown-up tree. He did not think of the warm sun and of the fresh air. 
He did not care for the little cottage children that ran about and prattled when they were in the woods looking for wild strawberries. The children often came with a whole pitcher full of berries, or a long row of them threaded on a straw, and sat down near the young tree and said, Oh, how pretty he is! What a nice little fur! But this was what the tree could not bear to hear. At the end of a year he had shot up a good deal, and after another year he was another long bit taller, for with fir trees one can always tell by the shoots how many years old they are. Oh, but were I such a high tree as the others are, sighed he, then I should be able to spread out my branches and with the tops to look into the wide world. Then would the birds build nests among my branches, and when there was a breeze I could bend with as much stateliness as the others. Neither the sunbeams nor the birds nor the red clouds which morning and evening sailed above them gave the little tree any pleasure. In winter, when the snow lay glittering on the ground, a hare would often come leaping along and jump right over the little tree. Oh, that made him so angry. But two winters were passed, and in the third, the tree was so large that the hare was obliged to go round it. To grow and grow, to get older and be tall, thought the tree. That, after all, is the most delightful thing in the world. In autumn, the woodcutters always came and felled some of the largest trees, this happened every year, and the young fir tree that had now grown to a very comely size trembled at the sight, for the magnificent great trees fell to the earth with noise and cracking, the branches were lopped off, and the trees looked long and bare, they were hardly to be recognized, and then they were laid in carts and the horses dragged them out of the woods. Where did they go? What became of them? In spring, when the swallows and the storks came, the tree asked them, Do you know where they have been taken? Have you not met them anywhere? The swallows did not know anything about it, but the stork looked musing, nodded his head, and said, Yes, I think I know. I met many ships as I was flying hither from Egypt. On the ships were magnificent masts, and I venture to assert that it was they that smelt so of fur. I may congratulate you, for they lifted themselves on high most majestically. Oh, but were I old enough to fly across the sea? But how does the sea look in reality? What is it like? That would take a long time to explain, said the stork, and with these words off he went. Rejoice in thy growth, said the sunbeams. Rejoice in thy vigorous growth, and in the fresh life that moveth within thee. And the wind kissed the tree, and the dew wept tears over him, but the fir understood it not. When Christmas came, quite young trees were cut down, trees which often were not even as large or of the same age as this fir tree who could never rest but always wanted to be off these young trees and they were always the finest looking retained their branches they were laid on carts and the horses drew them out of the woods where are they going to asked the fir they are not taller than i there was one indeed that was considerably shorter and why do they retain all their branches whither are they taken we know we know chirped the sparrows we have peeped in at the windows in the town below. We know whither they are taken. The greatest splendor and the greatest magnificence one can imagine await them. We peeped through the windows and saw them planted in the middle of the warm room and ornamented with the most splendid things, with gilded apples, with gingerbread, with toys, and many hundred lights. And then, asked the fir tree, trembling in every bough, and then, what happens then? We did not see anything more. It was incomparably beautiful. I would fain know if I am destined for so glorious a career, cried the tree, rejoicing. That is still better than to cross the sea. What a longing do I suffer. Were Christmas but come, 
I am now tall, and my branches spread like others that were carried off last year. Oh, but were I already laid on the cart, were I in the warm room with all the splendor and magnificence? Yes, then something better, something still grander, surely will follow. Or wherefore should they thus ornament me? Something better, something still grander, must follow. But what? Oh, how I long, how I suffer. I do not know myself what is the matter with me. Rejoice in our presence, said the air and the sunlight. Rejoice in thy own fresh youth. But the tree did not rejoice at all. He grew and grew, and was green both winter and summer. People that saw him said, What a fine tree! And toward Christmas he was one of the first that was cut down. The axe struck deep into the very pith. The tree fell to the earth with a sigh. He felt a pang. It was like a swoon. He could not think of happiness, for he was sorrowful at being separated from his home, from the place where he had sprung up. He knew well that he should never see his dear old comrades, the little bushes and flowers around him, any more. Perhaps not even the birds. The departure was not at all agreeable. The tree only came to himself when he was unloaded in a courtyard with the other trees, and heard a man say, "'That one is splendid. We don't want the others.' Then two servants came in rich livery and carried the fir tree into a large and splendid drawing-room. Portraits were hanging on the walls, and near the white porcelain stove stood two large Chinese vases with lions on the covers. There, too, were large easy-chairs, silken sofas, large tables full of picture-books, and full of toys worth hundreds and hundreds of crowns, at least the children said so, and the fir-tree was stuck upright in a cask that was filled with sand. But no one could see that it was a cask, for green cloth was hung all around it, and it stood on a large, gaily-colored carpet. Oh, how the tree quivered! What was to happen? The servants, as well as the young ladies, decorated it. On one branch there hung little nets cut out of colored paper, and each net was filled with sugar-plums, and among the other boughs gilded apples and walnuts were suspended, looking as though they had grown there, and little blue and white tapers were placed among the leaves. Dolls that looked for all the world like men, the tree had never beheld such before, were seen among the foliage, and at the very top a large star of gold tinsel was fixed. It was really splendid, beyond description splendid. "'This evening,' said they all, "'how it will shine this evening!' "'Oh,' thought the tree, "'if the evening were but come, "'if the tapers were but lighted, "'and then I wonder what will happen. "'Perhaps the other trees from the forest "'will come to look at me. "'Perhaps the sparrows will beat against the window-panes. "'I wonder if I shall take root here, "'and winter and summer stand covered with ornaments.' "'He knew very much about the matter, "'but he was so impatient that for sheer longing "'he got a pain in his back.' and this with the trees is the same thing as a headache with us. The candles were now lighted. What brightness! What splendor! The tree trembled so in every bough that one of his tapers set fire to the foliage. It blazed up splendidly. Help! Help! cried the young ladies, and quickly they put out the fire. Now the tree did not even dare tremble. What a state he was in! He was so uneasy lest he should lose something of his splendor that he was quite bewildered amidst the glare of the brightness, when suddenly both folding-doors opened, and a troop of children rushed in as if they would upset the tree. The older persons followed quietly. The little ones stood quite still, but it was only for a moment. Then they shouted so that the whole place re-echoed with their rejoicing. They danced round the tree, and one present after the other was pulled off. "'What are they about?' thought the tree. "'What is to happen now?' and the lights burned down to the very branches, and as they burned down they were put out, one after the other, and then the children had permission to plunder the tree. So they fell upon it with such violence that all of its branches cracked. 
If it had not been fixed firmly in the cask, it certainly would have tumbled down. The children danced about with their beautiful playthings. No one looked at the tree except the old nurse, who peeped between the branches, but it was only to see if there was a fig or an apple left that had been forgotten. "'A story! A story!' cried the children, drawing a little fat man toward the tree. He seated himself under it and said, "'Now that we are in the shade, and the tree can listen too, but I shall tell only one story. Now which will you have, that about Ivity-Avity, or about Clumpy Dumpy, who tumbled downstairs and yet after all came to the throne and married the princess?' "'Ivity-Avity!' cried some. "'Clumpy Dumpy!' cried the others. There was such a bawling and screaming, the fir tree alone was silent, and he thought to himself, "'Am I not to bawl with the rest? Am I to do nothing whatsoever?' for he was one of the company and had done what he had to do. And the man told about Clumpy Dumpy that tumbled down, who notwithstanding came to the throne and at last married the princess. And the children clapped their hands and cried out, Oh, go on, do go on. They wanted to hear about Ivity Avity too, but the little man only told them about Clumpy Dumpy. The fir tree stood quite still and absorbed in thought. The birds in the woods had never related the like of this. Clumpy Dumpy fell downstairs, and yet he married the princess. "'Yes, yes, that's the way of the world,' thought the fir-tree, and believed it all, because the man who had told the story was so good-looking. "'Well, well, who knows? Perhaps I may fall downstairs, too, and get a princess as a wife.' And he looked forward with joy to the morrow, when he hoped to be decked out again with lights, playthings, fruits, and tinsel. "'I won't tremble to-morrow,' thought the fir-tree. "'I will enjoy to the full all my splendor. Tomorrow I shall hear again the story of Clumpy Dumpy, and perhaps that of Ivity Avity, too.' And the whole night the tree stood still and deep in thought. In the morning the servant and the housemaid came in. Now then the splendor will begin again, thought the fir. But they dragged him out of the room and up the stairs into the loft, and here, in a dark corner, where no daylight could enter, they left him. What's the meaning of this? thought the tree. What am I to do here? What shall I hear now, I wonder? And he leaned against the wall, lost in reverie. Time enough had he, too, for his reflections, for days and nights passed on, and nobody came up. And when at last somebody did come, it was only to put some great trunks in a corner out of the way. There stood the tree, quite hidden. It seemed as if he had been entirely forgotten. "'Tis now winter out of doors,' thought the tree. "'The earth is hard and covered with snow. Men cannot plant me now, and therefore I have been put up here under shelter till the springtime comes. How thoughtful that is! How kind man is, after all!' If only it were not so dark in here, and so terribly lonely, not even a hare, and out in the woods it was so pleasant when the snow was on the ground and the hare had leaped by, yes, even when he jumped over me, but I did not like it then. It really is terribly lonely here. Squeak, squeak, said a little mouse at the same moment, peeping out of its hole, and then another little one came. They sniffed about the fir tree and rustled among the branches. It's dreadfully cold, said the mouse. "'But for that it would be delightful here, old fir, wouldn't it?' "'I am by no means cold,' said the fir-tree. "'There's many a one considerably older than I am.' "'Where do you come from?' asked the mice. "'And what can you do?' They were so extremely curious. "'Tell us about the most beautiful spot on earth. Have you never been there? Were you never in the larder where cheeses lie on the shelves and hams hang from above, where one dances about on tallow candles, that place where one enters lean and comes out again fat and portly?' I know no such place, said the tree, but I know the woods where the sun shines and where the little birds sing. And then he told all about his youth, and the little mice had never heard the like before, and they listened and said, Well, to be sure, 
How much you have seen! How happy you must have been! I? said the fir-tree, thinking over what he himself had related. Yes, in reality those were happy times. And then he told about Christmas Eve, when he was decked out with cakes and candles. Oh! said the little mice. How fortunate you have been, old fir-tree! I am by no means old, said he. I came from the woods this winter. I am in my prime, and am only rather short for my age. What delightful stories you know, said the mice. And the next night they came with four other little mice, who were to hear what the tree recounted. And the more he related, the more plainly he remembered all himself, and it appeared as if those times really had been happy times. But they may still come, they may still come. Clumpy Dumpy fell downstairs, and yet he got a princess. And he thought at that moment of a nice little birch tree growing out of the woods, to the fir that would be a real charming princess. Who is Clumpy Dumpy? asked the mice. So then the fir tree told the whole fairy tale, for he could remember every single word of it, and the little mice jumped for joy up to the very top of the tree. Next night two more mice came, and on Sunday two rats even. But they said the stories were not interesting, which vexed the little mice, and they too now began to think them not so very amusing either. Do you only know the one story? asked the rats. Only that one, answered the tree. I heard it on my happiest evening, but I did not then know how happy I was. Uh, it's a very stupid story. Don't you know the one about the bacon and tallow candles? Can't you tell any uh, lot of stories? No, said the tree. Then goodbye, said the rats, and they went home. At last the little mice stayed away also, and the tree sighed. After all, it was very pleasant when the sleek little mice sat around me and listened to what I told them. Now that too is over, but I will take good care to enjoy myself when I am brought out again. But when was that to be? Why, one morning there came a quantity of people and set forth to work in the loft. The trunks were moved, the tree was pulled out and thrown, rather hard, it is true, down on the floor, but a man drew him toward the stairs where the daylight shone. Ah, now a merry life will begin again, thought the tree. He felt the fresh air, the first sunbeam, and now he was out in the courtyard. All passed so quickly. There was so much going on around him that the tree quite forgot to look to himself. The court adjoined a garden, and all was in flower. The roses hung so fresh and odorous over the balustrade, the lindens were in blossom, the swallows flew by and said, Quirvy, my husband is come! But it was not the fir tree that they meant. Now then I really shall enjoy life, said he, exultingly, and spread out his branches. But, alas, they were all withered and yellow. It was in a corner that he lay, among weeds and nettles. The golden star of tinsel was still on the top of the tree, and glittered in the sunshine. In the courtyard some of the merry children were playing who had danced at Christmas round the fir-tree, and were so glad at the sight of him. One of the youngest ran and tore off the golden star. "'Only look what is still on the ugly old Christmas tree,' said he, trampling on the branches so that they all cracked beneath his feet. And the tree beheld all the beauty of the flowers and the freshness in the garden. He beheld himself and wished he had remained in his dark corner in the loft. He thought of his first youth in the woods, of the merry Christmas Eve, and of the little mice who had listened with so much pleasure to the story of Clumpy Dumpy. "'Tis over, tis past," said the poor tree. "'Had I but rejoiced when I had reason to do so, but now, tis past, tis past." And the gardener's boy chopped the tree into small pieces. There was a whole heap lying there. The wood flamed up splendidly under the large brewing copper, and it sighed so deeply. Each sigh was like a shot. The boys played about in the court, and the youngest wore the gold star on his breast which the tree had had on the happiest evening of his life. 
However, that was over now. The tree gone, the story at an end. All, all was over. Every tale must end at last. Elves and the Shoemaker by the Brothers Grimm A shoemaker, by no fault of his own, had become so poor that at last he had nothing left but leather for one pair of shoes. So in the evening he cut out the shoes which he wished to begin to make the next morning. And as he had a good conscience, he lay down quietly in his bed, commended himself to God, and fell asleep. In the morning, after he had said his prayers and was just going to sit down to work, the two shoes stood quite finished on his table. He was astounded and knew not what to say to it. He took the shoes in his hands to observe them closer, and they were so neatly made that there was not one bad stitch in them, just as if they were intended as a masterpiece. Soon after a buyer came in, and as the shoes pleased him so well he paid more for them than was customary, and with the money the shoemaker was able to purchase leather for two pairs of shoes. He cut them out at night, and the next morning was about to set to work with a fresh courage, but had no need to do so, for when he got up they were already made, and buyers were also not wanting who gave him money enough to buy leather for four pairs of shoes. The following morning, too, he found the four pairs made, and so it went on constantly. What he cut out in the evening was finished by the morning, so that he soon had his honest independence again, and at last became a wealthy man. Now it befell that one evening, not long before Christmas, when the man had been cutting out, he said to his wife before going to bed, "'What think you if we were to stay up to-night and see who it is that lends us this helping hand?' The woman liked the idea, and lighted a candle, and then they hid themselves in a corner of the room behind some clothes which were hanging up there and watched. When it was midnight, two pretty little naked men came, sat down by the shoemaker's table, took all the work which was cut out before them, and began to stitch and sew and hammer so skillfully and so quickly with their little fingers that the shoemaker could not turn away his eyes for astonishment. They did not stop until all was done and stood finished on the table, and they ran quickly away. Next morning the woman said, the little men have made us rich, and we really must show that we are grateful for it. They run about so, and have nothing on, and must be cold. I'll tell thee what I'll do. I will make them little shirts, and coats, and vests, and trousers, and knit both of them a pair of stockings, and do thou too make them two little pairs of shoes. The man said, I shall be very glad to do it. And one night, when everything was ready, they laid their presents all together on the table, instead of the cut-out work, and then concealed themselves to see how the little men would behave. At midnight they came bounding in, and wanted to get to work at once, but as they did not find any leather cut out, but only the pretty little articles of clothing, they were at first astonished, and then they showed intense delight. They dressed themselves with the greatest rapidity, putting the pretty clothes on, and singing, Now we are boys so fine to see, why should we longer cobblers be? Then they danced and skipped, and leapt over chairs and benches, at last they danced out of the doors. From that time forth they came no more. But as long as the shoemaker lived, all went well with him, and all his undertakings prospered. Well, folks, fairy tales often have morals, and it's not hard to ascribe gratitude as the moral of both of these stories. 
Be thankful for what you have, and find things to enjoy about your life, even though you may aspire to more, and be thankful to those who help you. Show them gratitude, and that gratitude will be repaid with happiness. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Stories of Your and Yours. There's only a couple episodes left in Season 3, so you won't want to miss what's on tap next. And by the way, I'm starting to put together stories for Season 4. If you've got requests, make sure you let me know as soon as possible so I can get them on the schedule. And if you want more stories, remember, you can always go to patreon.com slash syypodcast to get your bonus content, and you'll be helping to keep the show going at the same time. Until then, this has been Stories of Your and Yours, soon to be known as Ink and Ash. I've been Sean Ennis. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas, and we'll see you next time.